Oh, hey, girl. It's Tess Rouse and Christina Beattie. We're the co-hosts and creators of Authentically Wild. A podcast that may literally transform your understanding about life, relationships, and your healing journey. So get ready, girl. Shit's about to get wild. If you've read a self-help book, been on social media, or perhaps perused a TED Talk, you may have heard the term cycle breaker. If that term didn't resonate with you the first time, then it might after this episode. Today, Christina and I are going to dive deep into what constitutes a person to be a cycle breaker, sharing our unique experiences from our lives so you can see for yourself if this is a path that you're already on or perhaps one you want to travel down. A word of caution, though, it is not for the faint of heart. It is a hard path. But then again, so is living what most determine normal these days. It's sort of like a choose your own adventure book. Enjoy. Hello. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I love when you do your music. Dun, dun, dun. How's it going? I mean, side note, we actually realized, did we mention this last time? But I now realize that me doing that little singing thing, my sisters hated it growing up. And it's part of my ADHD. Mm-hmm. What is it? That out to you. What a is st- it called? St- stimming? A stim. So it stimulates stim. or helps you or something. People think you like, can like flick their hair or flick their foot. Yeah. Our girlfriend Brooks told me about this. Actually, we made the connection together because she also has ADHD. And well, Tess is sort of a collector of ADHD humans. So <laughs> you should imagine what it's like when we get together. Yeah, you two are just like buzzing around. <laughs> so funny. Okay, so today's episode is going to be interesting. We are talking about cycle breaking and what is a cycle breaker? A cycle breaker typically refers to a person intentionally changing multi-generational family patterns. But I would also go on to say, especially as I thought about my examples I was going to share today, also someone who breaks societal patterns or behaviors Mm -hmm. that most would consider normal. And I'm putting bunny ear quotations around that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the way, you know, it's funny, cause I'm sure you, you love doing like your research and all that stuff. And that's what I love about you. Whereas for me, it's kind of like, okay, what feels in my heart? Like I want to <laughs> say, and I really see cycle breakers as paving a new way or paving a new path. And yeah, oftentimes that's going to be way different than the generations prior to them and what society would deem as acceptable or the norm you know? Absolutely. Kind of like this catalyst for change, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I think about cycle breaking, it can look so different. Like you can break cycles of abuse, whether it's um, physical abuse, substance abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, or you can break patterns and cycles of how we just parent, right? Mm -hmm. So there's, I think, very different levels in terms of the types of patterns we change and the type of cycles we break. And just like there's different levels of trauma or, you know, it's always a spectrum. Absolutely. And I think for, you know, we're well on our way to where people who are categorized as cycle breakers are almost being praised and supported by other people who are identifying that way because they know how hard it is to do that. Mm -hmm. Whereas I feel in the past people that typically you would have now defined as a cycle breaker, which by the way, is not a term you would find in any psychology paper. This is very much a term that became 
well-known through social media. People mm -hmm. needed something to sort of identify with and, and sort of group themselves together. But typically these people are like your black sheep, the people that are like, they're disruptors, right? Someone you would have seen at like family dinner that's like talking about controversial pieces and giving possibly a very different opinion than everyone else in the room. So yeah. they're the people that sort of shake things up in a way, whether that be actually verbally through what they're talking about, or like you've said here, emulating different behaviors, whether that's through parenting or kind of stopping toxic behavior that typically maybe a family has allowed for generations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, and shout out to my sister, Emily, because it makes me think of her because for many years, she shared different pieces of stuff that she's believed in that the majority of the of society and the majority of our family probably would not agree with. Um, and she stood in that. And I've mm -hmm. always respected her for that, whether we've agreed on things or not. She's always been very um, grounded in her beliefs. And, you know, and, and when it came to me doing my own cycle breaking I've done it in my own ways with trauma and just other pieces and healing um it it really you know and this is something we're going to look at is like what to expect when you when you are a cycle breaker when you go through this is um it really does push up against your beliefs and standing in what you believe on a deeper level is right for you and your family and your children or your path mm-hmm it's funny that you bring that up because lately on I had a, a social media video that went pretty viral and it's just funny how it went through this wave of people who resonated with it and then I would say like spiritual luminaries who had sort of this this soft but peaceful different opinion and now I can tell it's really going to the people that don't typically follow this type of content and I heard this quote once and it's just really been sticking with me lately. It says, the changes you make, they don't inspire people. Mm. They actually confront them. And mm -hmm. so when we think about cycle breakers and I, I, from what I know of Emily, I could see this in her personality, how hard that road really is. And I never used to be a cycle breaker. I was a sheep. Mm. You tell me what the recipe for a great life is, I will follow it to a T. I do not want to rock the boat, have controversy, none of it. I just want to have that little life with a picket fence and everything be great. Mm -hmm. And so now that my life has literally changed so drastically and I would consider myself breaking cycles, especially within sort of my family, wow, I can't believe there's been people out there for decades that have been doing this. What a path to go down. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. It reminds me of when Emily, I don't know if she said it in the episode, but she was talking about your uh, birth chart and how like one of your biggest pieces, like your destiny or your path is to like really bring to light some of these controversial, controversial pieces mm -hmm. and how uncomfortable that's going to be for you. But like, now that you're stepping into it, it just, I look at you and I'm like, wow, yeah, she's so in alignment when she's doing that. But how uncomfortable it is. Mm -hmm. and, and someone even like comment on my video, get over it. Like this is normal life. And I, my response was, I guess that really determines what you consider normal because this mm. is not normal by any standard. If you listen to any, you know, leading speaker or psychologist saying the culture or society that we have created in terms of how we parent, um, community, connection, we have taken ourselves so far from what, you know, our ancestors maybe a hundred years ago would have done. And obviously, yes, there were primal advances we needed to make in terms of medicine, technology, all of that. 
but in an instant, we all live in these little box houses separate from everyone. We all go to work and get, you know, for the most part, someone else to take care of our kids. That's not normal. That's just the new normal that we've created, right? And so mm-hmm. it's just funny that, again, when you start change, when you start talking about it, there's a lot of people that it's going to confront, not inspire. And you have to be mm-hmm. really ready for that. And we'll get into that later in the podcast. But yeah. 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 Well, 100%. And I've had clients say to me too, like, you know, sometimes I, I can't watch your content because it's very triggering. And mm. as much as I don't want to hear that, I know that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing because the truth is confronting, you know? Absolutely. But yeah, let's, to give, to give listeners an idea of like what this is going to look like. So Tess and I, you know, we've kind of broken down what is a cycle breaker. We definitely are going to be sharing examples, obviously, <laughs> of how we have been, intentionally trying to change our own patterns and cycles in our generational lineage, um, as well as, you know, what you can expect when it comes to being a cycle breaker, as well as how to continue moving forward when this gets hard, because it does. (laughs) Sorry to burst that bubble for you, but there is, it can be a hard journey, you know, and I think through sharing pieces from our journeys of of how you can move forward in these really hard and challenging moments it it can be really helpful because I would have loved this mm-hmm. before embarking on my own cycle breaking journey yeah I think if anything if you've maybe made some changes in your life again to traditional roles that maybe you've played or behaviors that have been expected of you and it has confronted people, maybe some of the people closest to you, and you're starting to doubt yourself or they're gaslighting you or calling you crazy. Uh, We want this to serve really as validation that this is normal in terms of a reaction to what happens to other humans when you push against what they consider to be normal. Because again, you're not inspiring them, you're confronting them and you're basically making them turn inward and think about themselves, right? And so that can be really, really hard. And so you really have to be able to detach from whatever people are saying and really understand that it's actually really not about you. It's about what you're making them look at. And I think that that really starts at the very beginning of becoming a cycle breaker. It's not even like well on your way. It's like right from the get go. (laughs) Well, and, and I would say to add to that too, not even the pushback from the external relationships and environment, but also internally, because you are going to have so much resistance that comes up when you're changing these patterns that have been ingrained in you your whole life your ego is going to want to get right in there being like, well, this isn't what we do. This isn't familiar. This doesn't feel safe. So let's go back to what we've always done. hundred percent. And that's hard. So having the awareness of that is so important. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about, before we get into our unique examples that we're going to share, mm-hmm. just about what becoming a cycle breaker really looks like in terms of what you can expect from you, number one, yourself, maybe the people closest to you and also sort of your external world, whether that's acquaintances, coworkers, et cetera. Yeah. So I would say number one, and I kind of touched on this a little bit before we got into this topic was you're going to find a lot of resistance within yourself because when you are creating any kind of change for yourself, when you're wanting to change a pattern or behavior or a way that you think what you've always done, even though it might not feel 
like the right thing for you, it's going to feel comfortable and safe. So this is about being aware of when you step outside of that comfort zone, when you're trying to create that change, you're going to get a lot of internal pushback telling you not to do these things because there's uncertainty there. So just being aware of that resistance that you're probably going to feel within yourself when it comes to these pieces and all of those stories that are going to come up of like, oh, you shouldn't do this because of this. Right. And, and just being aware that, you know, connected to this as well as staying connected to why it is that you're doing this. That's really important. I love that. I would also add that humans are animals, mammals <laughs> of survival, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So even though something might be toxic, dysfunctional, causing you pain, if it's familiar, that is the path of least resistance, not this new path where you're changing, breaking patterns, breaking behaviors that perhaps would lead to a better outcome, more harmony, more peace in your life. That in terms of your actual brain anatomy and how humans are wired will be the path of most resistance. So mm-hmm you kind of have the odds stacked against you, which I think is why we felt so drawn to do this podcast as well as just kind of put this term out there so you can do your own research on it as well. Because like Christina said, if we had both sort of known more of this at the beginning of these journeys, it it probably would have been helpful in aiding, you know, just that validation and that sort of like security and safety within making those decisions to make those changes. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I would say in relation to that piece, the change is expect that there's going to be a lot of change in your relationships Mm -hmm. because when you start to create a new path, when you start to rock the boat a little bit, it's going to create waves in those other relationships. Because again, there's that confronting piece, that truth piece, you show up, you start to show up in a different energy. And then that energy creates a vibration that the other person has to shift with or adjust to. You know, you know, even just a micro example of this, just to really make sure it resonates for people. But, you know, I have Crohn's disease. So for the longest time, I always had a few drinks, but it always made me feel gross, like physically Mm -hmm. just my body. And if anyone has any sort of IBS or anything, they would know like alcohol is like a a no go zone, but we do it anyway. And so in this last, I would say two years, I've really basically cut out drinking altogether. And I know you've done it for different reasons. But Mm -hmm. you go to any social engagement and you are not holding a beverage, like at least five people will ask you, what are you drinking? Why aren't you drinking? Why not? And you can just see that that puzzling look on their face. That in in itself, which seems so minute, so small, is you being a cycle breaker because we have created this normalization that to have fun, you have to drink. In order to be social, you have to. And the moment you're not, again, it's not that people think you're not fun. It's that now they're concerned, well, why do I have to be drinking to have fun? You're confronting their own behavior or pattern. And I've seen this with members of my family as well as just like random people at a party. People will ask me 10 different times, the same person. Do you want to drink? Are you sure you don't want one? No. (laughs) Yeah. Because if you're not drinking, I don't feel comfortable because there's something not right here. And I don't even know if, I feel like there are so many people that aren't even aware of what they're being confronted with. And it becomes a projection of, oh, I don't know if I agree with that. Or I don't know if, if like, that's weird, right? Because there's, there's a, there's a something there that makes them uncomfortable, but if they're not aware of it, they would just project something. 
you know? And I will even ask people when they come to my house, like, we have a full liquor cabinet. That's also how you can tell someone's not a big drinker when their liquor cabinet's full. And I'll say, what can I make you? Like, we're actually, my husband and I are great at making cocktails. But they will ask, are you going to drink? And if I say no, it's 90% chance they're going to say, no, no, I'm okay. Again, I am not judging anyone for drinking. But when I am not drinking, you can feel the judgment. So it's just so yeah. funny, right? And I think like there is a movement to change that piece. A lot more people just from a health conscious perspective. But anyways, just a small example of that sort of resistance you're going to get from people because of that mirror you're therefore turning on to them. Well, and I love that you brought up this one because number one, it's crazy to me that alcohol is such a accepted choice of substance when it's so not good for us. Yeah. Um, but it numbs us. So there's, it makes sense when we look at, you know, the root of all of it, but it reminds me of like when I went for a very small amount of time on a dating app and I put on it that I don't drink and you would be shocked at the men that want to know why I'm not drinking, like very almost intrusive. <laughs> and it made me realize, wow, the dating pool is very small. <laughs> Here I am looking for a man who's doing healing, spiritual, doesn't drink. Like, where are they? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. It's just, it is. It just, yeah. Anyways, and those are people, yeah, they're like, again, it could be people you know intimately to people you literally have not even met yet that will yeah. be confronted yeah. by that. So be prepared yeah. for that. You also hit on another really important piece there, which is just about your relationships are going to change drastically. And, you know, I would say being a cycle breaker, it is a path where it almost looks like death of your old self, Mm. especially depending on like how many cycles you're breaking. Because kind of once you start, you begin to want to create harmony and change in all other areas of your life. It's just sort of happens. It's, it's, you know, spirals. Uh, but when, when you do that, you no longer are the older version of yourself and there will be relationships in your life that cannot weather that. I heard this, um, speaker once say, it's like you're a rocket ship and you know, how they have those boosters. And so eventually at some point in the sky, that rocket, those boosters just fall off that they can't go to the altitude that you're going. Okay, this is, I literally just had this visual come through in a reading the other day, and they were talking about needing to let go of things as a rocket ship with boosters. Oh, that's so funny. Whoa, that's cool. You know, expect that the relationships that are meant to stay in your life, again, there may be some people that feel a bit uncomfortable at first, but they're going to get curious and they're going to want to know and they're going to accept you for who you are and they're going to continue on that rocket ship journey with you. But there are going to be people where I think that's the point where your ego is going to pipe up and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Are we really risking this relationship with this person? Maybe you've known for decades to pursue this, this new us. And I I would say really question that because like, who are you living for? Right. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that that relationship has to end, you know, in a, toxic way. It doesn't mean that it really has to formally end either, but you will notice that you begin to pull away or wedges get created between people that can't continue on that journey with you because maybe it's just not time. But I really Mm -hmm. believe that if anything's really meant for you, it's not going to pass you by. So maybe that person will wake up to changes later on in their own life and you will reconnect. 
or maybe your relationship beginning to dwindle will inspire them to make their own changes. It doesn't make any person better than the other. You just begin to go on a different path and not everyone gets to come with you. And that is just a true reality without sugarcoating it. You, your relationships will change period. If anybody's listening, that would be Tess's son in the background. <laughs> oh, bless Turner, don't you soul. know I'm doing a podcast? <laughs> oh, Turner. Yeah. And you know what? So, so a couple things came up when you were talking there. You know, this is where I think on my spiritual journey, this has been something that I've really grown to connect with and it has brought me so much peace on my journey is that we are cyclical beings. We are meant to experience constant phases of birth and death and rebirth and death, not only within ourselves, but in our relationships. And this has both been very hard for me to accept, but also has brought a lot of peace along the journey. And I'm sure you can attest to this as well with your your and Tori's relationship, right? Um, And so I think, you know, if you're listening to this, just really remind yourself that we're meant to go through these changes and these phases and we're meant to die and rebirth again in different ways and shed these pieces of ourselves so that we can grow new pieces of ourselves. Right. And, you know, attached to that other piece that you said about the rocket ship, and this could really maybe bring some people some comfort here is that, okay, so you're on this rocket ship and you're going up and you have this idea of where you want to go. It's like maybe maybe another planet or another place in space, right? You got to let go of those boosters of those things that are no longer in alignment with you. And you're going to go through a bit of a transitional stage where it's going to feel really lonely. And that's almost like you leaving the atmosphere, I think, right? And I want to bring this up because... If you feel lonely, like if you are on your journey and you are a cycle breaker, you're going through whatever it is you're going through and you feel lonely, number one, know that you are not alone. And number two, know that unfortunately this is part of the journey is that in the process of letting go of things that are not in alignment, there's a bit of this limbo space where you've cleared space. And now you're getting ready to call in more of what you want. And maybe that looks like deeper relationships, more healing, whatever that expansion is for you, there is going to be a transitional space where it feels lonely and you're calling in more of your community or you're calling in that partnership, whatever that is, and just know that it won't last forever. I love that piece, especially the piece around that lonely time, because that Mm. was something I didn't expect on my journey. And I think to be aware of that, I heard this analogy once that imagine you're holding a whole bunch of balls and in order for any new balls to be thrown your way, that could be like love, a new career, a new passion, whatever it is, you have to let go of some in order to create space for new ones, right? But there's that moment where you have to let go of the ball before the new one comes and Mm -hmm. that's the unknown, right? And that is so scary. And that's typically the point I would say for cycle breakers, anyone making really any change in their life where we begin to possibly regress. But the one thing I want to add to that is, and this is a positive on the journey, is this is something I found and I'm sure you could probably resonate with this, Tess, is a positive of, about what I didn't realize and what you can probably expect somewhere along your journey is you're going to learn to love your own company. Mm-hmm. And 
I grew up for so long being like, I'm an extrovert. I'm the life of the party. And I loved it. I loved being around people. I loved being loud. And, and I don't even think it was like a projection thing. I just like loved being in the energy and in the mix. And I still do, but a lot less. Yeah. For anyone who knows me, I'm drastically different than, than how I was, especially in like my twenties. And I really realized that number one, some of that extrovert piece was a bit of a survival mechanism and a trauma response. And as I continued healing and I began to spend so much more time alone with myself, I really loved my own company. I loved my connection with spirit, which is a very, you know, one individual thing, not one, but like a very individual process for me. And I also really learned that I needed to conserve and protect my energy and be very decisive about who I was giving my energy to because I became so much more open. Mm. Yeah, I feel that for sure. I mean, there's nothing I crave more now than like an empty house and just myself. (laughs) I'm starting to get slightly concerned. (laughs) Something else that kind of came to mind here was expect quality over quantity and deeper, safer connections. It's almost like you go through, and again, I think this has to do with like that rocket ship and the boosters coming off, like a filtering process where you really start to become so much more aware of what you're giving your energy to, if you want to continue to give it that, or if you want to put it in other areas that feel more grounded, more peaceful, more full. Yeah, and that reminds me of a piece I also wanted to bring up, which was about the wanting to, or needing more alone time and really being very decisive about who you choose to spend time with is that again as a cycle breaker it's not that you're or at least you shouldn't be judging anyone else who's still you know doing maybe a past behavior that you used to do it's just that you can't help but unsee why they're doing it like if it's a coping mechanism or if it's a projection or if it's from a place of pain as to why they're behaving in the way they are or doing the pattern or behavior and it's very hard to shut that off once you begin this Mm -hmm. journey and so i think the reason we sort of cocoon ourselves a bit more is exactly that that it's it can be very energetically draining it doesn't mean you love them less it's just you only have so much energy to really give without necessarily almost combating it because it's, it is really hard because now you have different beliefs. And so to be around people constantly where the beliefs aren't shared, it's very hard to foster a relationship continually with that because it's almost like you being in a partnership with someone where none of your things are similar anymore. Yeah. And, and so I think it might be nice because we know our listeners like to hear personal stories and we've got some examples for you guys. Uh, it might be nice to kind of dig into what are some examples of cycles and patterns that we've either broken or are continuing to break. Cause here's the other thing I'm learning is that, you know, just like with the healing journey, I don't think it ever really ends. And I think you will con- continue to be tested or confronted with some of these patterns. And it's not necessarily whether you pass or fail at not doing the old thing or saying that, or, acting in that way, but rather how you support yourself through it. Yeah. So I I wanted to share two different examples today. The first being smaller and then the second being a bit more of a macro change disturbance uh, that I've made recently. 
So the first was, I don't think it's new information to anyone who listens to our podcast, that I'm estranged from my biological mom. Uh, But just something I had noticed that when I began to pull away from that relationship, I have two older siblings. The change for me is that just because she was family to me, it didn't mean I had to continue putting up with toxic, uh, narcissistic behavior in my life, that I am my own person and just because we're related by blood. So, and that's a change that a lot of people would not support even today I would say that they think family is family you have to accept them how they are and why you may need to accept them you don't have to allow that and so for me just due to our relationship I had to kind of put like no contact in and how that began to look when I began pulling away was really you know, calling only on birthdays or Christmas, you know, maybe getting together once on the holidays. But then I began to really be like, no, this is not for me. This, you know, this is not the kind of relationship I want. Again, being very decisive about where I wanted my energy to go. And so when I made that decision, there was probably about two years that went by where one Christmas, I noticed my older sibling texted my mom said happy birthday her birthday is in november and then again in christmas we were always together around that time and i said oh that's interesting that you still text her and i remember the shock on his face and him being like you don't and he had known like what our history was but again he as well didn't have a relationship with her outside of those couple times a year they talked maybe once they got together and i said no, I I stopped two years ago because it's not the kind of relationship that I'm going to continue fostering. And yeah, I said, honestly, like I, I don't know if I'll ever have a relationship with her. And I just, the shock on his face, not, not necessarily judgment, but just, he couldn't believe I had done that almost like he believed he had to. And it was really interesting because a lot of the time when you're changing cycles, typically people are upset with you. But actually in that instance, I could feel the shift with him where me stopping that pattern actually gave him permission to stop. And literally that next year he stopped and has stopped since then, right? It's probably been like eight years now. But um, I imagine again, and this is maybe one positive thing or an outcome or what to expect when being a cycle breaker, there will be people where your change actually does give them permission to do it, depending again on your relationship, whether they look up to you, uh, that sort of thing. So that was just one example where, you know, I began to say, like, okay, I felt very validated in that. I've been confronted by other people, uh, even on videos I've made about estranging from family members, if it's required, where they do not support that. But again, like proof's in the pudding, right? And I know that I made a good decision. It was just really, really cool to see um, that shift for him as well. For anybody listening that would maybe resonate with this, Did you have to have any other conversations with him or did you feel like you wanted to, like, how has that process looked for you since in terms of coming to more peace within yourself? Because I could see that as being very difficult, you know, and that really not only in terms of making that decision for yourself and your relationship with your mom, but also your relationship with your brother, because that rocks the boat, that creates the waves, Was there anything else that helped you kind of come to resolution or acceptance of just this is the way it is? You know, I think I came to that on my own. Again, being a cycle breaker, typically you're the one out in front. You're not following the lead of anybody. And so I do think, especially in instances with family where 
maybe you'd go to someone to soundboard something out. That's probably not going to be one of those topics because I also didn't want my decisions or actions to impact him if if that was a relationship that he wanted to continue. And I think that's something that we need to be very careful about as cycle breakers, ensuring that we do not try to intentionally influence or make someone feel guilty for a behavior that they still do because it it may be healthy for them. I don't know. But I really was at the point with that relationship where I had to start doing what was best for myself, not by society standard or whatever my brother said. So no, I did that all on my own. And that's why even two years went by and he didn't know that I had actually yeah. just stopped all communication. And I think that was why it was so shocking. You know, and we did have a follow-up conversation because it wasn't in that initial conversation where he kind of began to ask questions. It was just the shock. And then a few days later we chatted about it. And I could tell through that conversation it gave him permission to stop as well. Mm, I love that. Mm-hmm. And you brought up two really important pieces. Number one, and I think this has been really important for me to learn along the way and probably will help our listeners as well is when you're making these big decisions this is a this is a great example of creating a boundary is when you're making these big decisions often like you have to be really careful about who you say these things to because if you're not strong in your resolve yet if you're not certain or you haven't built enough of that trust within yourself that could really sway you who you talk to about certain decisions and so i love that you brought that up that you didn't even say anything Um, I think that was probably a really important part of your process. Yeah, that was key, by the way. You nailed that. Absolutely. I think with anything, whether it's a cycle break or just some change you're making in your life, you do need to be careful because until you are cemented in that truth and you've actually felt sort of like reaped the rewards of that decision, you will be swayed or you will feel the tug. Yeah, 100%. That's key. Yeah, you nailed that. Okay, so that's a really good first example. And, you know, it it's interesting because it really reminds me of the relationship with my mom and you and I have talked a lot and I've done like this year has been uh, something else (laughs) like 2022. I thought last year was the year where like all the stuff had happened. Oh no. It was after deciding to separate and then going into this year, it's funny. I was reflecting back on, cause I always do like a yearly reflection and I was reflecting back on 2023 and I picked the word courage for the beginning of the word for the beginning of the year. And then I realized that reading all my journals and stuff, it was courage, but then it was courage to create safety within myself because safety was the real word this year. And so, you know, reflecting on all of the things that have shown up for me, especially in my relationship with my mom, there have been some huge patterns that I've changed. And I realized as I've gone along that I recreated so many patterns that I saw my mom do not only to heal for myself and to heal future generations, but now I can see on a much deeper level to help her heal, to create a different outcome than she got to experience. And it's been really beautiful to really experience this, although very hard. And I remember a conversation that I had with my mom and here's where, you know, things can be confronting when people see us do things. Cause I remember when I told my mom, my decision to separate with Brad and I remember her saying to me, well, are you sure? Are you sure? And man, did I get that from everybody? Like, no, you guys, I haven't really thought about this one. Oh no. I thought <laughs> I felt I've sat in it. Um, but I remember her saying, you know, are you sure? And then she really started to talk to me about her experiences. And and I, I had to stop her and I had to say, 
understand that your experience separating from dad was that. And I was there, like, don't forget, I was there with you experiencing it. I was like, but this is going to be a different experience for me. And I really knew that it was not only for my own healing, but for my kids healing, like, you know, in, in the sense that I was creating a different path and I had experienced. And then also for my mom and, you know, it's been so interesting for me to really look at not only the pattern of separating from Brad, like she separated from my dad, but also the pattern of, you know, her and I really haven't had a lot of conversations around this. So I don't want to put words into her story, but I can see that there was dysregulation in, in her nervous system over the years. And that was something that I have really experienced, especially post separation. And that was a really big piece for me to see was that like, yeah, it was like this fight or flight energy that I was living in until I had the awareness of it and began to slow down and create, start to create that safety within myself through somatic therapy and through just really learning how to slow down and attune to my body. And so those have like, that has been a really big pattern of change is that nervous system safety that I've created. I want to comment on that, knowing obviously that your parents have separated. And then when you went to do that and this sort of resistance you felt from whether that be, you know, your sisters, your mom, et cetera. It's so interesting. It was a piece I was going to bring up with my next example, but you just talked about it so well there that sometimes people's own emotional experience of something clouds their ability to see what you need and want in that moment right and so i'm sure in some ways you know your mom being divorced from her first marriage thought oh no this is the worst possible thing that you could possibly do you know just knowing like the trials and tribulations maybe that she had experienced and no one wants that for their kid right but at the same time it's just so interesting how people can be fogged into the idea that it's going to turn out the exact same way right Mm -hmm. but again it's just so crazy that same decision very different experience very Mm -hmm. different outcomes and like your co-parenting your ability to find safety within yourself the resources you are able to access like all of those and i think again this almost just now changes the belief for people too whether it's something they've experienced as well like your sort of leading this this kind of wave of other people who are having these healthy separations with co-parenting. And, you know, I'm sure like what you said, it's aided probably her and her own healing journey as well as all your followers and everyone else who's heard your story. I know that's been a very big piece for people in hearing mm-hmm. your story is that piece and people want more of it. Like, wow, how did you do that? You know, and so just really inspiring. I love that you bring up that piece around like, that cloud that people can be in when, when they are confronted with something that someone else is doing and, you know, only being in their own pain or their own experience of that. And I think added to that is their love for us and not wanting us to experience that, you know, and this I think can help ground and root us back to this piece of that we're human And that we do have this pain, but we also love our loved ones so much and we don't want them to experience that. And that has been helpful for me when I am confronted with somebody who disagrees with something that I'm doing. I also need to remember that it's coming from a place of love some of the time as well, that they really just want the best for me. So that, Mm -hmm. that has been helpful as well. That fog can be 
you know, it allows us when we're feeling that tug back to the familiar, like, oh, did I make the right decision? I'm facing a lot of resistance here. If you're able to detach and question and get curious, why is that person saying that? Why are they acting like that? Why are they not feeling what I'm feeling and I need this? A lot of the time it can be because of their love for you, but also just their pain, mm-hmm. right? That maybe like losing you might mean, or from again, their own experience or the pain even that you're confronting them with having to possibly make those hard decisions because you're doing it, right? And then we project that out. And so yeah. I think that's just one of those skills or tools. If you can begin to foster that, get curious, detach, because it's so easy for us to take those like daggers, right? especially Mm -hmm. from the people closest to us and they will throw them. And so you do need to be prepared. (laughs) Oh yeah. I know those daggers. Yeah. Yeah. And and, no, you put it perfectly there. I think is the detachment piece is so important. It's like trying to be that airplane hovering above and see the situation from all angles. Yeah. Well, while we're talking about, you know, patterns from our mothers, maybe I can give another example of that slightly different. Yeah. Uh, So I think from past episodes, everyone will know about the high achiever, perfectionist uh, of the old tests, we'll say, you know, and I would say this, this cycle that I've really began breaking and have felt resistance and pushback on a whole bunch of micro scales as well as macro scales is really this always chasing achievement, right? I think society makes it seem like this golden trophy, like the more successful you are in your personal relationships with your kids, if they're scholars, your career, the amount of money you make, you get the golden prize. The problem was for me, as I began down that path of normalcy, this is the life, this is the prescription, the recipe for the perfect life to get the gold trophy. Here's the list that I have to achieve. Check, 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 check. I felt I was going to arrive at this place where I felt like I got there, like I could finally relax, I could finally be happy, I could finally enjoy the fruits of this labor. And I I began progressing through that list and that feeling, that elation never came. Mm -hmm. And my life fell apart in 2021. I was like, okay, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I think everyone, especially those closest to me, expected knowing how resilient I was, knowing how driven I was, knowing what an overachiever I was, I would pick up those bricks and put them right back where I found them. And when I did not do that, it was like I rocked everyone's world. That was actually the biggest upset, not like the marital affair that happened for me. So again, you know, from a a larger scale, as well as to like micro conversations with people, it was just mind blowing. But again, I was very quiet about things for a long time because I had to get really rooted in what am I doing and why am I doing it? And I also knew again from past experience, it's in the pudding or whatever that saying is. That proof is in the pudding. Thank you. I had already rebuilt that pudding a couple of times. Like I was married before and I knew I didn't want to keep eating that same pudding. Mm. And so when I began to create this new life, which also meant like taking a long stint off work, which I would say a lot of people saw as part of my identity, which that's going to that's going to ruffle some feathers. What do you mean you're quitting your nine to five for almost a year? What do you mean? How when how are you affording that? Why are you doing that? Like, did something happen? What 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 would make you do that? Because everyone else is working their nine to fives and wondering 
what gives you the right to do that when I'm not doing that? And I would give this example, which really, really ruffled feathers even more was, well, why wait till I retire to take the time, right? Why well, should take it now? And people did not really like that response because yeah, it's upsetting because most people, one, maybe aren't in the circumstance where they can, or two, they're too scared to do that. And you're completely going against all societal norms. Like we're we're supposed to get the job, get the fam, get married, get the family, buy the house, invest in our future, work really hard, and then retire and die. Yes, exactly. And what? You're not going to do it that way? Oh, no, no, no. This isn't comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then to boot, I was like, yeah, and we're going to sell, you know, our million dollar home and we're just going to move to the middle of nowhere. And everyone mm. was like, well, why, why would you do that? What's there? What's the plan? What's the plan? When are you coming back? And honestly, that test had died in that tragedy. And my answers, because I didn't know, was, I don't know. And I was completely okay not knowing. But that created a lot of instability for other people because they just could not understand how I could uproot my family, uproot what felt like my life. And that's literally what I was doing. I gave this analogy of like unearthing myself, which is really where my social media handle comes from and having to replant myself in a completely different environment to sort of like regrow. I feel like that came through in a reading for you once. It did. I remember. Did. Yeah. Like you were you, like, seeing digging of dirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's just so funny because when I hear you say this and how it triggers people, it makes me think how like, you know, I'm, I'm still not with a partner, which hasn't even been that long. It's been like, whatever, 13 months. And sure, like, I would like that companionship. But more so it's other people being like, oh, so are you dating? So like, when are you going to get back into a relationship? And I don't even think it's me that they're wondering. It's like their own comfort. Oh, when is Christina going to be set up again? Yeah. Whereas I'm like, enjoy it. <laughs> enjoy that time. <laughs> like, be single, girl. <laughs> yeah. But I, I love that you say that because really it's like anytime you do something that's out of the norm or you rock the boat, it's people aren't going to like it. And it's going to, there's going to be a lot of resistance there, you know? Um, okay. So I want to touch on another one that I've actually been exploring a lot this year. And I wasn't even going to say it because, you know, <laughs> but why not in the podcast bear it all. <laughs> so something that I've been working on a lot this year is creating safety within myself. And, you know, I, I really started to realize through different experiences that I had that really my whole life. And I think that there have been sort of a trifecta of things that have showed up three definite big pieces that have shown up to create this wound within me was searching from searching for safety from a man. And not only is this a big change in terms of like breaking the cycle in society, because I think as women, we're taught to like find a man and find safety from a man who will take care of us. And so there's that, uh, which I really started to realize when I was kind of looking for this safety. But then also I can now see it had a lot to do with my relationship with my dad, which, you know, there was moments in my childhood where I felt now I can see, I felt like I, I really wished I could have gotten more of an emotional connection from him. He was there physically to support me through the sports and the achievements and school, but the emotional piece I didn't get from him. And so there was that wound. And um, I think from my sexual trauma as well, like not feeling safe with men. So trying to find that safety. And then also, I think seeing some of this wound in my mom as well, 
And so there was this sort of trifecta of different pieces that really played into this wound. And man, has this been a hard one for me to change because it goes so deep. And I think not even within myself, but ancestral stuff. And it's a tough one. And it's everywhere. Like it's, it's in society, it's in the media, it's in the things that we're fed. It's, it's a lot. And I think even just coming, moving through my journey and really creating such a deep level of empowerment within myself, that is very confronting, not just for women who might have this wound, but also for men who are in sort of that toxic masculinity energy. When you describe this wound of creating like obviously the old way safety through men and those masculine relationships and finding it within yourself. It's just so interesting being a part of your journey because this is your Mount Everest, Mm -hmm. right? And I feel like we all have one. And in, in terms of cycle breaking, typically our Mount Everest are the ones where those, those are the cycles that I feel are the most compounded into us, whether that be like, through nature, meaning genetically that trauma or belief was passed down as well as modeled to you um, or even, you know, done onto you. And so this one, I think for you is your Mount Everest. And I, I would say for anyone listening, really think again, if you're on your journey, you may already know what it is, but when you can get to the root of that, like what is your big mountain? It's all the little ones before that prepare you for that climb, right? And knowing you and your process and your journey and how entangled this one is and your healing process has just been like eye-opening to watch in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really interesting because I thought this is where I originally believed 2020 and 2021, the year that Brad and I separated, those were my years of like, whoa. And then I realized, oh no, it was all preparing me for this year because all of that had to occur for my nervous system to get to such a place of fight or flight that I really had to create safety within myself. And then once I was able to start to do that, then I could really start to heal these pieces. Like I had to calm the environment in order to really be able to uproot these deep pieces. And it's just funny because you've obviously started on your journey well before me. And I feel like I just arrived at the base camp of Mount Everest. You know, like they bring the donkeys and all your stuff (laughs) and you have like the guides. (laughs) And now I'm, the clouds are parting and I'm beginning to see this giant monstrosity of a peak. And I'm like, oh, oh shoot. (laughs) Oh shoot. And I'm up there. (laughs) And you're like, come on, it's not that far. (laughs) And I already have frostbite. (laughs) No, I just think that you know, your, your story and the things you've done. I feel that you've been quite supported by especially your sisters and things, but I think in a societal context, you are flipping things on their heads, whether that's Mm -hmm. the co-parenting, the masculine feminine relationship, like all of these things. Right. And so of course that would be your assignment (laughs) to the world. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. We were joking yesterday because I got this soul contract done. And for anybody who's listening, it was really interesting because I was able to see a lot of my physical karma and my spiritual karma. And the woman who was doing my reading, I we actually might get her on the podcast. That would be really cool. She was doing my reading and she's like, woof, your soul really signed up for it this time. She's like, if it feels like you're going really fast through your healing, it's because your soul's trying to really clean up a few things in this life. So there's a reason. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that that gives me a little bit of peace because yeah, the past four years has been intense. <laughs> Well, 
I feel that that's a lot of examples for people to resonate with, to think about their own and how they may sort maybe sort of this pioneer on, on the cycle breaker train, we can call it. Uh, but again, Christina and I just want to part with a bit of wisdom or advice as you're on this journey, what to remember and how to keep moving yourself forward. As you're on this journey, we really need to remember that you're not gonna get out of the gate and be perfect at this new pattern, this new behavior. You are going to have moments of regression where you fall back onto mm -hmm. old behaviors, old patterns. And we have to have grace, I think. And, you know, just understanding with ourselves that some of these cycles you're breaking could be generational from decades, decades and decades, generations before you. That's hard to break, even within your lifetime. You're never going to be perfect at this. There are things that trigger me that triggered me four years ago that I've been working on this whole time. And it's learning how to really support yourself through that, not expecting yourself to get it perfectly. I want to talk a little bit about the importance of reflection, but really remembering that, you know, our, our mind, our brains really want to look at this as a linear journey. It's not. We're not just moving forwards. If you can actually start to see this as a wave that ebbs and flows, right? Your progress, it might feel like maybe you're quote unquote regressing, but you're just ebbing and flowing in and out, but you're always kind of moving towards what it is that you want. You're never going backwards in a sense. And so just trying to remind yourself of that. And this is where I think reflection is so important. Um, you know, I do my own yearly reflection and look back on, you know, in my journals, because I love to write, but reflecting is so important to see how far you've come to see the goals that you've made for yourself to see these intentions that you've created, and where you've actually gotten with them. Because it's going to be that reflection that grounds you back into the truth of how much you have healed, of how much you have progressed, of how much change you have created within your life, within your children's lives, within the relationships that you have. So reflecting the biggest piece, in my opinion, when it comes to this journey. I 100% agree with you there. I think that the other piece as well, I just want to remind listeners of is that you know, I look back and think of even, especially we didn't get into parenting, but again, you know, gentle parenting is a whole new trend and breaking that cycle of how we were parented. I have lost many nights of sleep thinking how I was as a parent, especially with my firstborn. And I think that's a natural part of this. And again, that ebb and flow, that rebirth and death of like who we are and who we're becoming, you will experience that too. And so be prepared to sort of hold yourself and know that, again, generationally speaking, like that was sort of like born into you as well as modeled to you, put on to you. And so, you know, just carry yourself with a bit of grace and a bit of compassion because you didn't know any better. And, you know, I can even say that coming from a relationship with a mother who was abusive, when I think of her and look at her, yes, the little me is mad. I'm mad that I didn't get maybe like the parent that my friends did. But I also know that she was parented like that. And again, it doesn't make it right, but it creates understanding. And I think we need to ensure that we carry that understanding with ourselves as we begin to progress, especially into some of these big cycles that we're breaking, where maybe we weren't showing up in the way we are now for the for the first child or for that first marriage or relationship. That is just part of the experience and part of the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up that piece with number one, just remembering like how big some of these cycles are and and 
that emotion that's going to come up. Like I do really think that that grief is part of the process of not only learning how to hold our younger selves within us and reparenting that part, but also the grief of like, yeah, these old pieces that have to die off and that are going to hold on tight to tell you all the reasons of like, remember when you did this? Yeah. Okay. That's part of the process. But in, in addition to what you're saying there, I think, yeah, you know, and it's funny, I just talked about this with a client today. We're going to make mistakes, but the fact that we, as cycle breakers, the fact that you have this awareness of wanting to do something different, that is half the battle, right? You're still going to make mistakes. You're still going to get triggered. You're still going to do those old habits or those old patterns. But the fact that you have the awareness shows that there is growth, shows that there will be change, shows that there's going to be healing. And so that's really important is like that awareness is, is so big. Um, and I think in addition to this is when you are having those really hard days, when you're feeling like you're not making any forward movement, when you're stuck, when you've got all the thoughts coming up is something that really helps me is grounding back into my why. Why is it that I'm doing this? Who am I doing this for? Well, the little Christina within myself, my children, future generations, the world, like where we're going with all of this and the new world we're creating, you know, that really helps ground me back into the truth, you know, because a lot of those thoughts that are coming up are probably coming up because you are creating change, because you are stepping outside of the box, because you are evolving. And those thoughts are trying to keep you in what you've always been and what's familiar. I think too, just to maybe end this off as well, you know, a lot of my journey has been moving from caring about my relationship so much with others and how others perceive me or my relationship with others to my relationship with myself and how do I perceive myself so every time I'm conflicted like that like I I don't want to push against someone or conflict with their beliefs or their patterns or behaviors I just feel like it would be easier to continue down that familiar path I think who am I betraying here though because when you allow to let go the path of least resistance with someone else and you want to go the other way you're just too scared or you're like you're actually self-betraying in a way right mm. and I think above all like the biggest lesson I've learned on this journey is that your relationship with self has to come first before anything before your relationship with your partner your children etc because that ultimately leads you down like that path right that that's most meant for you and and can allow you to become the person that you're meant to Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I know, I know we're finishing up with time and stuff, but I think in addition to bringing it back to yourself and, you know, coming back to who is this for something that has really helped me as well. And I'm sure you can attest to this as well is somatic work, bringing it back to your body, right? Because in all of this, in all of this pattern changing, you're creating in all of these cycles that you're breaking, your nervous system is going to be dysregulated because this isn't necessarily quote unquote safe. It's not what you've always known or what you've always known has been dysregulated and it will feel like that. Right. So somatic work has absolutely saved me. Um, It has created so much safety in my nervous system. It has helped me find so much grounding and rootedness through all of this uncertainty. I highly recommend checking out somatic work. Um, This is something that I actually do with clients, but you can also find so many somatic work practitioners wherever you are, just search it in Google. Uh, And it's also work that you can learn how to do yourself through listening to podcasts, through doing breath work, all of that good stuff. So. 
Yes, big fan of somatic work. If you haven't heard about it, look it up, find someone, or at least even research how it works and how the nervous system interacts with all of this stuff, especially breaking cycles. Before we end today's episode, we have some very exciting news. Christina and I are going to be hosting our first ever in-person event in Langley, BC at the beginning of March. We wanted to be sure that we let our podcast listeners know first, so book that date in your calendar and check out our socials for more information. Just as a little sneak peek, we wanted to tell you, it's called Conversations with Her, The Beginning of You, which is really a guided journey back to where it all started. Join us as we uncover, breathe, and integrate the experiences that armored you. This will be a three-hour workshop taking you through a connected discussion on core wounding, channeled messaging from the Akashic Records, and a facilitated breathwork session with somatic integration. Can't wait to see you all there. Okay, everybody. Well, we thank you so much for joining us today. If you are wanting to find Tesserai on social media, you can find us both on Instagram and TikTok. For Tess, you can find her at her unearthed. And for myself, Christina, you can find me at Christina.soulempowered. We thank you guys for listening and we hope you have a great day. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.